Today is Thursday, August the 31st, and this is the 58th episode of The Martian Report. Welcome to the podcast. In this episode, crime, trails and cemeteries, the GDP of real estate, swimming pools, the ebb and flow of real estate agents, homegrown speculators, real estate investment trusts, tiny houses and Airbnbs, Keynesian economics, serious debt levels, selling Newfoundland and buying Vancouver, and techies and Spotify in the news. Let's get on with the show. So what type of homes get burglarized the most? A recent story in the record got me thinking about crime, break-ins, or burglaries to be more exact. The story, titled Students Leave Without Locking Their Doors and Their Stuff Gets Stolen, states that nearly 9,000 burglaries have been mapped in Waterloo Region over the past five years, and four of the hotspots are near our university campuses. According to the story, students are targeted because they live closely together, have portable stuff to steal, often leave doors unlocked, and are often away on weekends and holidays. The story goes on to offer advice, which is good. But what about the rest of us? What type of homes is most likely to be burglarized? Statistics out of the Bureau of Justice in the USA tell us that renters are much more likely to become victims of burglaries than homeowners. This is probably because plenty of people come and go out of apartment complexes daily, while homes only have a few family members who enter and leave. The burglary rate for rental homes is 3.27%, whereas it is 1.83% for owned homes. Interestingly, smaller apartment complexes have higher burglary rates than single-family homes, but buildings with 10 or more units actually have lower burglary rates than single-family homes. So here's the breakdown. 28% of burglaries occur in buildings with 2 to 4 units, 25% in buildings with 5 to 9 units, 22% in single-family homes, and only 19.7% in buildings with 10 or more suites. And there's some surprising facts about burglaries as well. Most burglaries take place during the daytime. Most take place between 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. Most homes are burglarized during warm summer months rather than cold winter months. A typical burglary lasts 10 minutes. The average dollar loss per burglary is about $2,300. Police solve about 14% of burglaries. And a typical burglar lives within two miles of the victim and may even know the victim. The top reasons for break-ins include drugs, money, and thrills and revenge. And burglaries are hoping to find cash, jewelry, illegal or prescription drugs, electronics, clothing, and shoes. In Kitchener-Waterloo news, earlier this summer I discovered the Laurel Creek Trail from uptown Waterloo to Manulife near King Street at the Expressway. It's an interesting ride with all kinds of scenery. The city has a network of about 200 kilometers of trails and multi-use pathways, but only two trails, the Iron Horse Trail and the Trans-Canada Trail, have any formal signage. The city has a new cemetery bylaw that is expected to be in place 
by September. According to other things, it requires permission for anyone looking to take photographs or video at Parkview Cemetery on University Avenue. I can't think of any reason why I'd want to do that. At the same time, I can't think of any reason why it shouldn't be allowed. In general news, it was a slow August in real estate, and that was just fine with me. I was busy enough over the first part of the year to sustain my love of being busy and productive for a while. I'm rested up, though, and now ready for the autumn market. Usually, we have a mini spring market in the fall, essentially from the second week of September until the third week of November. Stats Canada reports that real estate commissions, land transfer taxes, legal costs, and fees for inspecting and surveying homes make up almost 2% of Canada's economy. By comparison, agricultural, forestry, fishing, and hunting account for 1.6% of GDP. The high price of urban real estate and soaring cottage country prices have led to a surge in backyard swimming pool construction. Since 2008, job growth for real estate agents has surged at 10 times the pace of Canadian job growth. Now, as the market is expected to shrink, so too will the number of agents. A recent example, following an oil slump in 2015, sales in Calgary's once booming housing market fell 5.5% from 2015 to 2016. There are now 5.4 fewer realtors in that city than there were in 2008. In the recent past, many Canadians had the view that market speculators are foreign individuals, but there has been increasing evidence which specifies that speculators are mainly from Canada. Real estate investment trusts, or REITs, tend to have long-term leases and less tenant turnover, meaning fewer opportunities for landlords to raise rents. This results in cash flow and higher leverage, creating bond-like securities that are more sensitive to interest rates than their global counterparts. Essentially, REITs are stable, but not as flexible as regular real estate. Will dorm-style living become the next hot housing trend? Probably not, but it might become the next temporary housing trend. Some people are shacking up with strangers temporarily when they're changing cities or jobs or when they're leaving a marriage. There's been a lot said about tiny houses. There are articles, TV shows, books, lots of news. But tiny houses might not be for everyone. Although the minimalist movement has its perks, tiny houses are running afoul of bylaws in many places. In fact, more and more, it seems like it's one of those ideas that seems great but isn't. Airbnb is also running into trouble and restrictions are looming for short-term rentals. In one city two years ago, there were 400 Airbnb homes listed and now there are more than 800 listed. Municipalities and condo corporations are responding to concerns about dwindling rental stock and unfair competition for bed and breakfasts. A McGill study found that with Airbnb in three Canadian cities, 10% of the hosts account for most of the revenue. In money, will Canada learn from Australia's economic experience? The present government's budget deficit policies should not be dismissed as dangerous or irresponsible. Well-invested, borrowed, or newly created money can have many positive effects on the economy. This is Keynesian economics. With Canadian debt levels a serious concern by the early 90s, one expert emerged with a plan to balance the books. Sell Newfoundland. The price? 500 billion. 
And here's some brief history of foreign buying in Vancouver's real estate. Starting in 1976, the Canadian government rolled out a program to attract wealthy Hong Kong immigrants. Those with $365,000, or $1.5 million in today's dollars, in net worth who invested $183,000 or $772,000 in today's terms could come to Canada without any ties. The immigrant had to create one job and establish either a home or have a child attend school. And speaking of Vancouver, the 10-year visa led to housing booms in Vancouver and Toronto. The government began offering the 10-year visas in February 2014. As a result, In that first year, the number of travel visas handed to Chinese nationals tripled to 337,000. The visas, which allow people to travel freely to Canada each year and stay for at least six months at a time, have sparked an explosion in foreign travel and property speculation in Canada, particularly from China. At the border, the Canadian Border Service Agency has been warning Americans that their right to bear arms ends at the border. From 2012 to 2016, Gun seizures across Canada were up 175%. And in tech news, a new report finds that the worst American employees are 57% more expensive than Canada's top-notch techies. And Canadian office space is a bargain, too. Shopify's Q2 results showed a 75% revenue increase as it celebrates 500 merchant milestone. Shopify posted second-quarter revenues of $151.7 million.